Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, a podcast joining listeners around the world to Israel, exploring the ties that bind us through culture, identity, and current events. I'm Alan Potash in California, and I'm joined with my co-host and friend Liz Feltern in Jerusalem. Liz, how are you? Hi, Alan. I'm doing well. It's nice to see you and hear you after a couple-week hiatus. Yes, you are on vacation for a couple of weeks. It's good to be back. We've got quite a few things to talk about today. I'm going to open it up with you because uh, I understand that there's a new public service taking place in Jerusalem on Shabbat. Anything you want to talk about with that? That is true. Yeah, just this past weekend was the uh, inaugural trips of a new free public transportation bus service being offered in Jerusalem on Friday evenings. Uh, The idea is that this bus line goes between various neighborhoods in Jerusalem, not all of the neighborhoods, the ones that tend to have uh, less religious residents, I would say, Uh, but go in those neighborhoods to help people get to different homes for Friday night dinners for for Shabbat. Um, And on Saturdays, the buses go from Jerusalem to the beach in Tel Aviv, right? Another big attraction that many people who are not, um, you know, strictly Shabbat observant or not observant in the way that would preclude them from taking public transportation, place where they want to go. And this has never existed before uh, in Jerusalem. And um, and it's a and it's a big change for the city. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I think it's a I think it's definitely a sign of a a healthy democracy that we can have this. I read an interesting statistic along with the these bus lines opening up that even amongst the Shabbat observant and religious Zionist population, there's like an over forty percent approval rate for having public transportation available on Shabbat. So even people that aren't necessarily going to use it recognize that Israel is supposed to be, you know, a free country, a pluralistic country, and and want those that want to use it to have this um to have this option. So so that's the news of the week. So that is monumental. And I have to say amongst the current events, challenges that exist in Israel on a day-to-day basis, this is a remarkable advancement. I would call it an advancement. Some might not call it an advancement, but is this a municipal decision? Is it a bus line decision? Is it a national decision? How does something like this get decided upon? So this was, uh, for years and years, right, this has been a topic. And in recent years, the organization that has been really pushing it is a group called uh, I don't know what their name is in English, but it's something like Wake Up Jerusalem, which is a political group. Um, in the, uh, but it's not a national political group. It is a group that had they've had candidates run for mayor. They're on the city council in Jerusalem. They are a Jerusalem-specific political party uh, with no national aspirations. And this has been one of a large number of issues that they've taken really seriously, and they were able to get it going uh, in collaboration with EGED, with the sort of national public transportation company. Um, and that is how it has come to be. So one final question with that, maybe you can or cannot answer it. Will it be available on Rosh Hashanah and other festival holidays? 
That is a really interesting question. I do not know the answer. Um, I do not know the answer to that question. Maybe they're waiting to see how well received it is on the few Shabbats that we have between now and Rosh Hashanah. I would say that it would definitely not be available, for example, on Yom Kippur when even all the traffic lights are off, right? And there's there's very little driving, if any. Um, but Rosh Hashanah, I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe. We'll have to see. Uh, speaking of current events issues, um, you've been gone for a couple of weeks. What's it like coming back to Israel? Anything new? I know the protests are still taking place. The Knesset's not really in session, but activity is going on. What are you seeing? What have you seen on your return back from your travels? So, yes, the protests are definitely still taking place. Um, I would say the kind of two things that seem to be going on are one, we are in a little bit of a holding pattern until September 12th when the um, reasonableness clause law will come before the High Court of Israel. In this case, it will be heard by 15 justices, which has never happened before. That is the largest number of, of justices that one can have. And it I'll say it again, it has never happened before, which shows the seriousness and the gravity of this kind of a decision. Right? The High Court of Justice in Israel has never overturned a law which the Knesset defined as a basic law. And in this case, the law falls under that category. So it would be historic were they to overturn it. It will also be historic if they do not overturn it. So one way or the other, something momentous will happen on September 12th. And up, leading up to that, there are various discussions. Um, the um, the chief justice, there was a motion to have her disqualified because she had made statements like six months ago um, that were you know related to thinking that a law like this would not be acceptable. Um, that seems to have been quashed. It doesn't seem like there was enough of a reason for her to, to need to be disqualified. But I imagine there will be continued sort of discussions around this right up until the actual decision. So that's one thing that's happening. And the other thing that's happening um, is that we continue to see different units of the army um, and different groups of reservists making public statements, either that they will not serve if called upon or not, or not showing up for their reserve duty. Um, and as that movement grows, there is more and more discussion in the government, but also um, in the highest echelons of the, the army about at what point this, you know, makes the army less prepared than it would normally be. Is the army in a weakened position or will it be at some specific number? And what does that mean? So that's also a growing conversation. Wow. So still a lot on the table and people are still gathering to challenge the government on many levels. Two uh, questions that just came up in my mind. Um, Israel has been a, one of the leading countries in responding to disasters around the world. The fires in Hawaii have been significant, very dramatic. Are you seeing any um, organizational ch uh, opportunities for not NGOs or the government to respond to needs in Hawaii at all? So you're 100% right that Israel is almost always amongst the first responders to any sort of a global um, disaster. 
I haven't heard specifically anything about um, an Israeli group going to assist in Hawaii, but that doesn't mean it hasn't happened. I just haven't seen it publicized yet. And the other one is the um, situation in Ethiopia. I know that the government has gone to extricate to bring back um, Israelis as well as those individuals from Ethiopia who are on schedule to make Aliyah. What are you hearing and seeing on that level? I am. I mean, probably pretty similar to what you're hearing and seeing, right? We know the situation in the Gondar region of Ethiopia is uh, very dramatic. It has been on and off for for a long time now. Um, And the question of, you know, Ethiopians that may or may not qualify for Aliyah, may or may not be considered you know, Jewish enough for the state of Israel has been an issue for a long time. I understand that right now, when hostilities became more acute, there were something like 200 Ethiopians that had already been approved that they meet the standards of the state of Israel to qualify with a law of return to move to Israel. Um, and they, you know, could be brought to Israel. Right now, I believe the airport is closed, and I don't think anybody's going anywhere just yet. But um, as soon as that situation changes, you know, presumably they will be brought to Israel. And the few hundred other Israelis that are in uh, Israelis, sorry, Ethiopians that are in this process, um, will continue to, you know, to be to bring their paperwork and their family histories and be evaluated and. Um, and Israel will make its determinations. It's a, it's not a nice process, particularly, right, to be in the place of deciding if a person is Jewish enough to come to to Israel. Um, but it's part of how this country currently is built, and it's one of those, you know, sticky situations of the currency that the country finds itself having to to face. Um, I don't think anybody wants to be in the position of making that decision. But on the other hand, I think people do all understand that on some level it has to be made, right? Every country has rules for who can become a citizen and how. Um, and in Israel, part of it is tied to Jewish identity. Part of, part of it is, I understand, is also reunification with family members that have already made Aliyah to Israel from Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. And it's right. also, as you said, it's just the challenge of of paperwork and documentation and coordination with the government and services. And I think that this situation in Gandhar has escalated the um, opportunity for individuals to make it to Israel sooner than had been scheduled. So I hope it works out well for everybody. Can I move on to something a little more light, a little more enjoyable, fun, maybe? Sure. You just came back from after the fires and the (laughs) political issues and violence. Yes. Yeah, you know my 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 transitions are not always so smooth as they could be because I like to just jump around rather quickly. But I I do know that you just came back from a a fun, relaxing trip to the states. Any things you want to share on that experience? Anything new that you consumed, food wise or experience wise, that you want to share with us? Um, well, yes, I had lots of fun experiences. Um, I, I'll get to the food because I always get to the food, but to make sure that I don't only talk about food, maybe I'll start with some non-food items. Um, we saw the Broadway show and Juliet, which was fabulous. And I highly recommend it. It was super fun. 
Um, and the cast was fantastic, even though the show that we saw was largely um, with the understudies playing the leading roles. And even they were fantastic. So I'm sure the regular performers are at least of that caliber. Um, we other fun stuff. We went to a county fair. Um, and we saw all of the animals and fruit and vegetable winners and quilters um, and chicks hatching and all of those fun things that one sees at a county fair. Um, and we, what else? We, we spend time with family. Yeah. Can I jump? So sometimes county fairs remind me of either the holidays of Sukkot or Shavuos, where you're showing off your your produce and your showing off your your wildlife. Do you see any similarities between you know, uh, the celebrations of Shavuos or Sukkot around the county fairs? Do you see booths of activities? Do you see people showing off their wares? Well, while there were lots of uh, animals and, and vegetables, uh, it actually, Shavuot and Sukkot were not what it reminded me of, but uh, a different similarity. M many of the booths were selling clothing and jewelry and artwork. And I am telling you, it was exactly, exactly the same items for sale at this county fair in the middle of New Jersey, actually on the New Jersey-Pennsylvania border. I am, as I saw just a few weeks before in a lot. It was the exact same jewelry, the exact same clothing. Um, and it's funny because I think of them as very Israeli. You know, they were like sort of silver, silver jewelry with a lot of large, like natural stones. And I think of that as an a lot thing. But apparently it's also what's going on at the county fairs and like flowy dresses um and wide leg sort of hippie pants i don't know in hebrew we call them shawali um and i really thought they were in is an, an israeli thing so i was quite surprised to see them at this fair but maybe they're more universal than i thought or they've left the malls and have gone to county fairs maybe i almost thought for a few seconds when i saw them i thought oh are these booths being run by israelis so I kind of peeked in to see who the sellers were, but they did not seem to be Israelis. Um, so that I had the same thought, but then it kind of got squashed. So in the couple minutes we have left, how about food? What did you experience? Food. food. Okay. What did I eat? I ate a matzo ball as big as my fist, bigger than my fist, actually. Um, and a delicious, real Jewish kosher deli corned beef sandwich. Um, I, I hit all the cultures, really. I had Chinese, I had Italian, um, it's not a culture, but Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts might actually qualify as its own culture. And I had that a few times. <laughs> um, in, I mean, in New Jersey, it's unbelievable. You can't drive more than two minutes without passing a Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know how many there are in the state of New Jersey, but it's got to be like hundreds and hundreds. I mean, really, you cannot drive five minutes without passing a Dunkin' Donuts. It's unbelievable how many there are. And they're all good. I love them all equally. Um, any, and, any, any food at the fair that you experienced? 
at the fair. At the fair, I had a very healthy meal that consisted of bubble tea and corn on the cob and funnel cake. That was my well-balanced three-course meal at the fair. That's uh, quite interesting. Bubble tea at the fair, that's new. That has to be pretty new. Yeah, I had never seen that before. And we spent quite a long time at the bubble tea because there were just so many choices. It was hard. And, you can, you know, you have all these choices of tea and then all these choices of bubbles. And you want to make a combination that isn't super weird and repulsive. So you really have to put a lot of thought into it. Um, in the end, I just asked the guy for his recommendation because it was hopeless otherwise. Well, it's good to know that you had some good food while you were in the States. We did. Some nice experiences in the play. Uh, anything culture-wise that we have left to talk about in, in Jerusalem? Any festivals going on to be uh, following? I am. Well, we are nearing the end of the summer here, so there's still some music and arts festivals going on. The Chutzote Yotzeh Artists Festival is going on now in Jerusalem, which is a big one. Uh, which has music and art, actually. Um, and yeah, this the, we've entered these like couple of weeks where the summer camps are basically ending and like every child in the country is just kind of free range and gone wild and parents are losing their minds with what to do with these children. <laughs> so we're in a very strange place here. Um, but in just a few weeks' time, they'll be back to school, which will be yet another transition. So we'll hang well, on until then. Well, thank you for your insights today. As always, you're you're full of great stories and uh, experiences. So I just want to thank everybody for listening to Israel Rebound. It's our podcast that Liz and I have been doing for almost two years now, bringing enlightenment to the listeners that we have around the world. So thank you all for listening. And Liz, thank you very much for your words today. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, everyone.